What do you think when you see a crowd of people? Maybe you're the sort of person who kind of likes a crowd. You know that there's nothing quite the same as the energy of all sorts of people who are gathered together for a unified purpose like attending a concert or cheering on your favorite team at a sporting event. Maybe you see a crowd and you get excited about it. Maybe you're the exact opposite of that. Maybe being in a crowd is one of the things that you like least. And if you even see a crowd, you start going through in your mind all the things that you don't like about crowds. And if that crowd happens to be in the place where you're headed, you think, oh great, where am I going to park? Where am I going to find a spot to sit? Who am I going to sit next to? How bad are they going to smell? What kind of germs am I going to be exposed to? Maybe when you see a crowd, you get a little judgmental. What are those people doing there? Why are they all gathered? What kind of mischief are they going to cause? That looks like trouble. Maybe if you know the purpose for which they're gathered and you don't like the purpose for which, like they're at a political rally for the guy that you're not voting for, then you know they're up to no good and you get judgmental, right? Have you ever looked at a crowd and felt the way that Jesus did? felt compassion, were moved to compassion for the crowds that were gathered. Our sermon text is the gospel we read earlier from the very end of Matthew chapter 9, the very start of chapter 10. And we hear about Jesus' interaction with his disciples and with the crowds that had gathered. And we notice a few things. It's very clear, first of all, how Jesus felt when he saw the crowds. And then it's very clear that he put his feelings, he put his compassion into action for those crowds. As we consider these words briefly together this morning, we, we see that Jesus shows compassion to shepherdless sheep. We're going to notice these things in considering three parts his perception, his prayer, and his plan. First, Jesus' perception. Jesus had the opportunity to see or perceive these crowds because they had gathered around him. Jesus was going about, he was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing. That's a pretty good way to draw a crowd People were coming to Jesus who needed healing so that they could be healed. But even the people who didn't need to be healed were also coming because that was pretty interesting to see. They thought maybe he would have something interesting to say as well. Of course, these crowds that were gathered didn't fully understand the situation. They didn't really comprehend who Jesus was or all the things that he had come to do or all the things that he had come to teach. 
And so this is how Jesus assessed them. This was his perception of them. They were troubled and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd is a pretty powerful picture. But when I read troubled and downcast, it kind of sounds to me like they were just sad. And the Greek words that are used there are actually a bit strong than that. In the context of, of sheep, the first word talks about being struck by the, the thorns, being beaten up, being maybe even, even bleeding from them. And the second word talks about being left to your own devices, wandering around, being abandoned in that way. When Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were beaten and battered and bruised. They were beaten by Satan and temptation. They didn't have any, any real leadership, any useful leadership. They were wandering all over on their own, and that meant that if they were left to themselves, they would wander right to hell. These crowds were like any other crowd of people. They were made up of people who were born into sin and unbelief. The people who, were made, who, who filled these crowds were like all the other people born into this world. These were people like you and people like me. They needed help. They needed leadership. They needed a Savior. They needed salvation. And so Jesus perceived their need and had compassion on them. And in his compassion, Jesus instructed his disciples to pray. They were to take note of the fact that the world was filled with all sorts of people like those in the crowd who were harassed and helpless. The harvest is plentiful. The need is great. Sinners who deserve hell are being beaten by Satan and bruised by him, are wandering aimlessly around this world so pray for harvesters. Pray for pastors. Pray for people who can reach these crowds with the good news that there is forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ. Pray for those who would commit hours and days and even their entire lives to this work of sharing Jesus and leading His people and being the shepherd that they need. When Jesus perceived this need, he had his disciples pray. When we perceive the need for ourselves and for others around us, our prayer should be the same. But we often fail on, on both of these counts, both our perception and our prayers. Our perception is off. It's off about ourselves we don't really like to stop and think about our sinfulness. When we look at ourselves, we like to think that we'd be just fine if we don't have a shepherd. Because we're pretty good people, we're pretty nice people, at least we're very well-intentioned. So if something that we do or something that we say goes wrong and gets misunderstood, well, it's not really our fault. We're not the problem here. We don't like to focus on ourselves and really think about the, the evil that lurks in the shadows of our lives. 
but we do like to do that for other people. When other people do something that bothers us, we don't think that, oh, they're well-intentioned and they just made a mistake. We think there are enemies. They haven't done what we would have done. There are rivals. They get in the way of and oppose the efforts that we make. Maybe they're political foes or they're competition for the goods and the services that we need. They annoy us. They bother us. They're clearly not us. Jesus corrects that sort of perception and leads us to pray. He looks on us with compassion, and he looks on others with compassion, so he moves us to do the same. Jesus leads us to realize that we are miserable sinners who, who from the start have deserved nothing but God's anger, but we've received Christ's compassion anyway. So we're motivated. Motivated to respond with loving compassion of our own. I ought to be amazed every single day to remember, to think about, consider what Jesus did for me, that he died to take away my sins, and if he died to take away my sins, that means that he has given me forgiveness and life and salvation. And so we pray. Pray that God would send workers out into his harvest field. We pray that he would reach the people around us, with his love, with his compassion, with his grace. We pray that he would give to them what he has given to us, the assurance of forgiveness, the assurance of eternal life, the assurance of our salvation. And it would be disingenuous for us to pray for others and then ignore the opportunities that we have to help them. It would be disingenuous for us to pray that God would send out workers but then not give any offerings in support of that work. It makes sense for us to pray for others and then to go out and help them, not to disparage them. If we're praying genuine prayers for the people around us, we will want to treat them with love and compassion. We want to let our lights shine among them. And see, that's Jesus' plan. We see Jesus' plan play out in our gospel for today. First, Jesus perceived the needs of the crowd and had compassion on them. He invited his disciples to pray, and then he allowed them to be a part of the answer to their prayers. He set his plan in motion. He sent them out with the good news, the kingdom of heaven is near. He had his 12 disciples. He sent them out as apostles. That's what the word apostles means, sent out. He gave them their own unique authority over disease and over evil spirits so that their powerful actions could match up with the powerful words that they were spoken speaking. And he sent them out first to his own people and their own people, to the children of Israel. That was Jesus' plan. And our worship series on the holy ministry 
reminds us that Jesus is still carrying out His plan by calling people to serve as missionaries and pastors and teachers and staff ministers. Jesus is no longer visibly present here on earth preaching and teaching and healing, but He's still carrying on His work. And just as at that time He multiplied His own efforts by sending out His disciples, so now... Jesus works through His ministers, through many called servants of His to multiply His work of sharing the good news. The kingdom of heaven is near. Forgiveness of sins is found in Jesus who died for the sins of the world. Through Him and through faith in Him, you have eternal life. You have salvation. He is coming soon where He's going to bring the end of this world and usher us into the joy of that eternal and heavenly kingdom. He has had compassion on you. He has answered prayers for you. He's carried out His plans in your life. And so now He invites you to follow His example. He calls you to have the same perception that He does. He calls you to see not just crowds of people, but to see anyone and everyone as someone who needs Jesus. He calls you to have the same prayer that He gave to the apostles, that God would send out workers into His harvest field to gather this harvest of souls for eternal life. And He invites you to be part of His plan in answering that prayer. Maybe that means serving full-time as a minister, as a worker in God's kingdom. Certainly it means praying for and encouraging those who are pursuing a vocation like that or those who are in a vocation like that. It means when you notice a young person who's been gifted by God with those skills and talents, you encourage them to think about what God could accomplish through their ministry. It means giving generously toward mission efforts, which we are privileged to participate in. I don't mean at all to suggest that when you think of a crowd, you need to look forward to spending time with them. That's far from Jesus' point here. But Jesus, God, is asking you to look on all people the way that He does and the way that He did. And to encourage us all in this, He reminds us of His amazing grace and love and compassion. In the words of our second reading, What do you have that you did not receive? And in the words of Jesus in our gospel, freely you have received, freely give. May we share Jesus' perception and His prayer and His plan. May we be like Him because Jesus shows compassion to shepherd the sheep Amen.